All of you know that in the first couple of chapters of Genesis, the Bible describes the literal creation of the world. I know there's a lot of people today that are pushing the theory of uh, evolution. Uh, they, they think that we all descended from a monkey, and I guess if you believe that, you probably do have the brain of a monkey, because you cannot look around in this world and see the intricacies of the, the way God made everything and think that this thing just happened. There had to be a grand designer behind it all, and that designer and the one that put it all together is God, just like it says in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 2, we read a moment ago, describes the formation of man. Most of the world was created, where God made something out of nothing. He just spoke it into being. But God did not create man, he formed man. We read it there in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now, this morning I want to preach on the subject, the breath of God, the breath of God. And basically, I I have three three things I'm going to say, but I only have one point. My point is that every single person here needs the breath of God in their life. Now, before I tell you some specific areas, three areas that you need the breath of God, I want to remind you what it does. Here in Genesis chapter 2, God took some dust. Bible doesn't say, but I often wondered if he mixed some water with that dust and made some mud, and from the mud or from the dust of the ground formed man. Uh, and then the Bible says, well, but, but I want you to just think about that. So he, 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 here, here, was, here, here was Adam. He was perfectly formed. I mean, he had every body part that we have. I mean, he had fingernails, he had toenails, both his ears were there, his nose was there, his mouth, his fingers, and his toes. But as he lay there on the ground, he was dead. I mean, there was no life in him. He he, he was not breathing, his heart uh, wasn't uh, beating. Uh, he, 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 He had everything else, but he did not have life. That verse says, and the Lord God... Almighty God, the one that created the universe, the omnipotent Father, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. What was it that gave Adam life? It wasn't his good looks, although I think he was a good-looking guy. It wasn't his wonderful personality. I think God gave him a wonderful personality. It wasn't his intellect, although I think he was one of the smartest people that ever lived. He named all the animals. Uh, It it wasn't any of those things that we might ascribe to to men as we think about them. The, the, The thing that gave life to Adam was the breath of God. The breath of God gives life. We need it in our lives. Uh, let me give you another example before I get to my message. I have a lot of books up in my library uh, 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 upstairs. I have a book up there that's called How to Be Christian Without Being Religious. It's a good book, but that book will not change you. I have a book up there, The Right Romance in Marriage. It's a good book about marriage, but that book will not change your marriage. I have a book up there entitled Love Them, Lick Them, and Learn Them about how to raise children. Good book, good advice, but that book will not change your children. All those books are dead. There are no life in those books. 
But I know a book that's alive this morning. I know a book that can change your life, can change your marriage, can change your children. The holy book, the holy Bible of God. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the Bible says, For the word of God is quick. That means alive. The Bible is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. What gives this book its life? What makes this book different than every other book than any other person has ever written? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration is a Greek word, theonastos. Theo, meaning God. Nastros, meaning breathed. What makes the difference? What gives this book life? This book has life because of the breath of God. It was God breathed. One more example before I get to the three ways or three places we need the breath of God in our life. You go back to the New Testament. When Jesus came to earth, he had many people that followed him. Of the many, he chose 12 to be apostles, 12 to be special disciples, so to speak. You look at that group of men that made up these 12. There was really nothing special about them. Four of them were fishermen. One was a tax collector. One was a zealot. One was a doubter. Others were ambitious. They were no great scholars, no no winning personalities, no well-known statesmen. Yet Acts 17 verse 6 says, These men turned the world upside down. Well, what was so special about these men? What made them different than every other person that walked on the face of the earth? What gave them the power to do what they did? John 20, verse 22 says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. It wasn't their intelligence. It wasn't their personality. It wasn't their individual abilities. What gave them life? What gave them power to turn the world upside down was the breath of God. The breath of God as he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. We need the breath of God. This morning my message is simple. I'm going to mention three areas that we need it. Number one, we need it in our life. We need it in our life. You need it in your life this morning, one of two ways. Either you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You, don't, you haven't accepted him yet. At this point in your life, you have no hope for heaven. You need the breath of God in your life to give you eternal life. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're just like Adam was before God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I mean, you may look good, and you may think good, and you may think you have it made, but the Bible says, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And this morning, if you don't know Christ, you are dead to God. You are dead to spiritual things. You are dead to his word. You have no appetite. You have no will. You have no desire to come to God. 
But you, and so you need the breath of God. You need the God-breathed Holy Spirit to come into your life and to woo you to the Savior, to convict you of your sin, to point to Jesus Christ and say, there's the way to heaven. There's the way to God. There is no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. You need the breath of God this morning. You're headed for hell. You're headed for a Christless eternity. You have no hope. But God says, I'll breathe on you. I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you the gospel. And you can come to Christ this morning. Say, preacher, I didn't come prepared to get saved this morning. I didn't come prepared to to, to have my life changed this morning. You don't need to make any preparation. You can come just like you are. Because God's already done everything. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, and not the last thing he said, but one of the last things he said, it is finished. And what he was saying is, God's done everything that needs to be done to make you right with him. All you have to do is accept it. Feel the breath of God this morning. He wants to breathe on your life. The Holy Spirit is already working on you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, to come to him. Job said in chapter 33, verse 4, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. He'll do the same thing for you this morning if you allow him. Now, you might be here this morning. Many of us are. And you say, Preacher, I'm already saved. I've already received Christ. Jesus is my hope for heaven. Uh, Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. That most of us are on our way to heaven because we've received Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something this morning. You cannot live your life the way God intends for you to live your life as a Christian without the breath of God on your life. We sing the song, Holy Spirit, breathe on me till I am all thine own. Like Barb sang, wonderful song. Barb goes right along with the message. If he's not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Holy Spirit, breathe on me till I am all thy own, until my will is lost in thine to live for thee alone. Breathe on me. Breathe on me. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Take thou my heart. Cleanse every part. Holy Spirit, breathe on me. Whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, All of us, every single one of us, need the breath of God on our life this morning. Number two, quickly, we need the breath of God on our family. Satan's attacking the family. Recently, the Supreme Court redefined the definition of marriage. We've suffered as a nation a high rate of divorce for the past few decades. Uh, Satan will do everything that he can to destroy your marriage. And I know this morning there's a if we were to look at the marriages in this room, there would be a wide spectrum. There's some marriages that are sweet 
where husband and wife love each other and they make that love known to one another. They express that love. They're committed to one another. And there are marriages on the other extreme uh, where they're, they're just staying together because they feel like they have to. There, there's really no love in, in, in the marriage and there's a lot of fussing and fighting goes on. And between those extremes, there's marriages all across the spectrum. I want to tell you something this morning. I don't, I don't know the state of your marriage. I don't know what it's in, but I know this one thing. Regardless of where you are, the breath of God can make it better. Amen. The breath of God can make it better. The Holy Spirit can make it better. I say to all the men, you can be a better husband. You can be a better husband if you let the Holy Spirit be a husband through you. If you give your bodies a living sacrifice, like we talked about Wednesday night in prayer meeting, you give your bodies a living sacrifice to God, the Holy Spirit will make you a better husband. And I know there's some lady sitting there this morning say, Preacher, I've got the perfect husband. I don't think he could get any better. Well, praise the Lord you feel that way. I'm glad that you do. But I want to tell you something. Don't shortchange God. You may have a perfect husband, but there's a God who can make the perfect better. There's a God that can improve even the perfect. Ladies, You could be a better wife if you let God breathe on you. If you let the Holy Spirit be in you, you can be a better wife. And again, I know there's probably a lot more men than a lot more ladies, but there's probably a lot of men that would say, Preacher, I have the perfect wife. I don't see how she can get any better. I want to tell you something. God can make the perfect gooder. Amen? God can make the perfect gooder. Not good English, but good preaching. I had to do something to get your attention. Some of you were looking sort of dazed in in your eyes. God can make the perfect gooder. He can work in our homes. He can work between husbands and wives. He can work between parents and children. Look, we need the breath of God to be the husbands, to be the wives, to be the, the parents, to be the grandparents that we need for our families. We need the breath of God in our homes. And then number three, quickly, we need the breath of God in our ministries. In our ministries. Every time I stand behind this sacred desk, I think about the responsibilities that I have. I think about the people that may sit in these pews that maybe for the first time in their life they're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe this is the last opportunity they're going to have to hear it. And that responsibility weighs on me. I have to make the gospel plain. I have to make it clear. I have to make it appealing. I, I don't want any person to ever leave this place that, that lost thinking that it was their last opportunity to hear the gospel. I know there's people that sat in these pews that need something from God. Maybe it's something for your marriage. Maybe it's something for your family as relationship to your kids. Maybe it's just a, a, because of a, a health concern or, or something else that's going on in your life. And I know you come to this place. You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from God. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit of God. So every time before I step behind this desk, I spend time in prayer during the week. God, I don't want to go up there by myself. I want to go in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. If I don't go in the power, then keep me from going. I don't want to stand here in my own power. I want to stand and let the Holy Spirit of God flow through me to get to you. Because that's what you need. That's what you need. That's what this church needs. Look, it's not any different for any Sunday school teacher. 
It's not any different for the ones that play the instruments. It's not any different for the ones that stand here and sing. It's not any different from the ones that usher. It's not any different from, an or, from a church member who comes and, and, and greets one another and you love one another and you fellowship with one another. You can't do that the way that we can't do that the way that God wants us to do unless we have the breath of God on our ministry, on our life. We need the Holy Spirit to take charge and to work through us. We need the breath of God. The Bible says there in the book of Genesis, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. I'm so glad that God still has that breath. I'm so glad that God in 2015 still has the the same breath that he breathed into Adam's nostrils that caused him to become a living soul. The same God is breathing the same breath and will breathe it on us today if we let him. We need it. We need it. We cannot be what God wants us to be without his breath upon us. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Would you let him breathe on you this morning? Would you? There's probably some people here that need to get the breath of eternal life. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of our sin. The Holy Spirit is the one that woos us to the Savior. The Holy Spirit is the one that's speaking to your heart right now about your need to come to Jesus Christ. Would you do that this morning? Would you? You may be a Christian. You may have been a Christian a long time. You know what I'm talking about. You know that you need the breath of God in your life. You know that we cannot be, none of us can be, what he wants us to be, what he expects us to be without him. Would you let him breathe on you this morning? The Holy Spirit only breathes on us when we allow him to. He only breathes on us when we give him the opportunity to do it. Would you? Would you this morning? Maybe a husband needs to come. Maybe a wife needs to come. Maybe a parent needs to come. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about something in your life that can change if you just put him in charge, if you just let him breathe on you. Would you let him do that this morning? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the simplicity of it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for offering that breath to us this morning. And I pray that... As we look at our life, as we look at the condition of our life, that we would surrender more of ourselves to you. As Barb's saying, if you're not Lord of all, then you're not Lord at all. And Lord, we want you to be the Lord of our life. So we surrender ourselves to you this morning. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be obedient. Bless this time of invitation. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.